0: Could you face your fears and climb over 100 mountains in a year? Well, stay with us, you are about to meet a woman who set out to do just that. Welcome to the World
1: Nomads Podcast. We'll be keeping you up to date with travel alerts, information about
2: coronavirus, and sharing some uplifting news and views to inspire you and keep you smiling.
0: It's Kim and Phil with you and we are revisiting an amazing nomad we featured in an episode last year, I think it was early last year in 2019, Susan Spann. She was attempting to confront her deepest fears, climbing 100 of Japan's most famous peaks. Now, this was despite a breast cancer diagnosis. Did she do it? We'll find out shortly. But first, Phil, have you got any travel news for us or is that a laugh?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, look, I do actually have some good news. You know, two of Brazil's best known attractions, the Christ the Redeemer statue and Sugarloaf Mountain, they've reopened. They've been shut down for five months because of coronavirus, but um, it's open, but visitor numbers, of course, are being limited for the social distancing. Interestingly, Brazil's COVID cases are continuing to rise and it's now become the second most affected country in the world behind the USA, which, by the way, has rescinded warnings to its citizens against all international travel because of the coronavirus pandemic, saying conditions no longer warrant a blanket worldwide alert. Of course, this was at the time of uh, recording. And if you're in the most affected country (laughs) in the world, I suppose, anywhere else is a better option.
0: Yeah. Well, then also we've got those countries, a list of those countries that aren't accepting uh, US citizens. So we'll have those in show notes.
2: Okay. Look, and if you must travel, we've got an article, which will also be in show notes, about how to do it safely. And finally, globally, air travel is down more than 85% from a year ago, according to industry figures. And of course, the implications for the airline industry are not good, with several leading airlines filing for bankruptcy protection. Kim, have you got any positive news for me?
0: It was last year, 2019, early on in the year, we spoke to an amazing nomad, Phil, Susan Spann. The episode was titled No Barriers. Now, she was currently, or she was then, facing her fears and climbing 100 mountains in Japan after making a pledge to create a life of purpose and impact. She's written a book. She's contacted us to fill us in on what she's up to now in 2020. And Susan, spill what have you done? Well,
2: <laughs> have you done it?
1: <laughs> I have done it. Oh, that's a spoiler alert. Maybe I maybe we should delete that. One. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, I did. Th- first of all, thank you for having me back on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking with you last time so much, and I did, in fact, complete a hundred mountains. Actually, in just a little over eleven months, it wasn't even a full year. Uh, finished. Almost a year to the day after my final cancer treatment, my final chemo treatment, which was a really nice way to put a cap on it. And as you mentioned, the book has just come out. It's titled Climb, Leaving Safe and Finding Strength on 100 Summits in Japan.
0: I liked the quote that you gave us from last episode and very early on in the book you, you touch on this. You said at six years of age you got out of line and walked away because you didn't know what the risk was and you were afraid to take it and you were terrified that if you got in the bouncy house, this is as a six-year-old, <laughs> somehow you were going to die and straight away in the book you get into that feeling that you have that you can't do anything or you could never do anything. But now looking back, <laughs> look what you've achieved. <laughs> you know, it's a, it, it sometimes it's a little
1: surprising to me too. I mean, a lot of the mountains that I've climbed, because I continue to travel in Japan and I'm continuing to climb mountains now, I mean, it was a really transformative experience for me. And sometimes I look at the mountains that I have climbed, in Mount Fuji in particular, because you, you see her quite often, fortunately, here. And uh, I kind of shake my head and think, wow, you know, that that little girl who wouldn't go in a bounce house. And for the record, I've I've still to this day never been in one because by the time I realized that the fear was foolish, I was too large for them. You know, it's just amazing how the simple decision is what it takes to move forward. And that was not apparent to me somehow for 45-ish years that... Really, the journey of a thousand miles, the journey from fear to confidence and joy really does begin with that single step.
2: Can I just thank you? I know the book's out, but you were very kind to send us a, um, a PDF of an advance uh, copy of that. Can I just thank you for uh, allowing me to waste a couple of hours of my day when I should have been working reading your book? <laughs>
1: well, thank you. <laughs> the j-
2: honours mine. I, fascinating. Straight from the get-go, which is, which is brilliant. And there's so much in that. I mean... <sighs> You know, when you say that you, you know, you took the the easy path to get away from fear and and followed your father into the legal profession, it's, that doesn't, I mean, it's still pretty tough doing a law degree though, isn't
1: it? Well, I mean, difficult, but, you know, difficult and familiar. And I think that's what a lot of us sort of fall into. You know, even hard work, if you know what the path looks like, right? It's sometimes easier to work hard on a difficult path than to step off the path and not know where it leads. But you know, in my experience and having done both, the unknown path is often much more rewarding.
0: I I was sitting there reading your book and suddenly I saw myself in you and don't laugh Phil. (laughs) You just, Phil just spoke before we recorded that he did a gym class last night and he went so hard. He felt physically sick after it. It was only on the weekend um, after reading the the book, I haven't read it all, um, but <laughs> I was saying I, was, I walked up a hill and I was really, really puffed and I, I just couldn't believe that when I'd first met my husband I was doing these gym classes and running rings around a really fit football player. And you described yourself in the book as, you know, having a few roles. <laughs> <Darn>
1: <laughs> I did, I
0: did. I was, And then when you got to Japan and you were going up this mountain with your son, uh, rather than coming, you you, you went up in a chairlift or whatever you call it, rather (laughs) rather than coming back down in the chairlift, you decided to to walk it. And I thought, why aren't I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm unfit and I've got a few roles but why can't I take that step? What's lacking in me, Susan? You know, nothing. It just didn't occur to you. And that's
1: kind of where it was with me. You know, I was, the mountain you're referring to is one that I actually climbed uh, in advance. In fact, what gave me the inspiration to do this, which is really funny because it was an absolute disaster, as the book describes. But, you know, I got up there and I rode the lift up and I stood on top of that mountain, which was Mount Mizen in, in Hiroshima Prefecture, and felt just a little hint of that runner's high, that that experience that people talked about when they stood on top of real mountains like Everest. And by the way, I mean the mountain we're talking about is like 500 meters. It's really not a big mountain. But you know, at the time, I was very, very overweight. I had didn't do anything physical, and I wanted to earn that feeling. And so I decided I was going to hike back down it. And you know, <laughs> it probably just hasn't occurred to you that you could, and it it hadn't occurred to me either. And you know, for my own personal safety, that might have
0: been a good thing.
1: But uh, <laughs> fortunately, the story ends much differently now.
0: We began with a spoiler, so we don't want to give away too much. Uh, indeed. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: tell us about your health now. Am I, Are we? Is it okay for you to talk about that? You um, fully recovered?
1: Absolutely. In fact, I have had my what is either your two and a half year or three year checkup, depending on how you count it. My doctor in the U.S. might have called it two and a half. My physician here in, in Japan actually referred to it as, sorry, yeah, as three, um, just because of the, way the whether you count from the day of diagnosis or the day of finishing treatment, right? Because there was about a six-month lag in between, but I am still cancer-free, and I am over the hump, uh, 95.5% of the recurrences of the cancer I have happened within the first two years. And so the odds are very strongly in the favour of me having absolutely beaten this thing and, and moved on with my life, which is really, really a wonderful place to be.
0: I mean, oh, that's great.
2: Power, all power to you for it as well. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure there are very, very many, very talented medical uh, staff who helped you along that journey as well. Oh,
1: absolutely. In fact, I give them shout-outs in the book. But I had a wonderful team at Mercy Medical in Sacramento, California. They, they just... They just not only took care of me, but they were very understanding from the very beginning that I had this 100 Summits quest in my sights and they just moved mountains, (laughs) literally.
0: (laughs) You see what I did there? I did, me On the slopes. (laughs) So we're talking to you in 2020. It's a very different world to when we spoke to you in early 2019. We are in the middle of of a pandemic. Yeah, the world is at a standstill. Now, you did have some coronavirus-related Delays? Can you sort of touch on those again without giving too much away?
1: Uh yeah. Fortunately, I was finished with the climbs, of course, before the coronavirus. But um, the book did get delayed. We were supposed to be released in was supposed to be released in January, um, and then that was pushed back for because we were going to bring it out near the Tokyo Olympics. And of course, really delaying it until the Tokyo Olympics would have been quite a bit of an endeavor at this point now. But. Um, but we ended up uh, having a couple of pushbacks, but the book is now available. It is now uh, in release. If people go to order it, they may find a little bit of a delay in shipping, but in like a day or two, not we're not talking weeks. But it is available and it is now released and I'm just thrilled that it's out in the world.
2: And what's next for you? Can I suggest that you, you know, set up your own little... Uh, rock at the top of a mountain and hand out the fantastic advice you've been sharing with us.
1: <laughs> well, Be thank the guru you. on the mountain. <laughs> well, I've done a couple of things. Um, I have actually started a YouTube channel. A lot of people have talked about wanting to see more of the mountains of Japan, maybe get some more narrated and curated video. So, I am actually planning to go and rewalk the Kumano Kodo, which is a thousand year old pilgrimage trail through the mountains of Wakayama Prefecture in October. I will be taking a video camera and gimbal and I will be recording that. So, I'll be doing in October, November, releasing about seven videos, about 30 minutes in length, curated tours of the Kumano Kodo for those who cannot get away from home this year.
0: Being a Japophile, I love all things about Japan. I want it. my goal is to visit in every season. I've only managed summer so far, but. You I'll, picked the worst one to start with. Why'd you do that? Well, no, I went to Ishigaki, which is somewhere that a lot of people have never been. So. It, it is. It was beautiful. It was a great experience. Um, But, you know, when I do a renovation, I always try and incorporate some kind of Japanese design and I love Japanese food. And these things are touched on also in this book. It's not just about climbing the mountains. Oh, indeed.
1: Yeah. I wanted to share everything from Shojin Ryori, which is the Buddhist temple cuisine, happens to be my favorite food in Japan. Um, I ended up accidentally walking into a major festival uh, on a city when I wasn't even expecting. You know, I thought I was going to have a rest day. <laughs> that didn't work out because I just wandered into the largest festival in northern Japan, which yeah, you know, these things happen when you go and travel for a year. And particularly when you really were first getting started and didn't really know what you were doing. Um, but yes, it's everything from food to culture. There are festivals, there are horses, there are all different kinds of things. And so I hope that people will enjoy that part of the adventure too. And photographs. Yes, there are photographs. And what is more, I will also put in here, there are full color photographs in the book. And I am also in the progress process of posting a photo companion on my website. So all of the things that are discussed in the book Photos of all of those things because we could only get so many photos in the book, right? But there will be hundreds of photos on a chapter by chapter basis, basically photo narrating the entire book on my website, available to people as they read.
0: Are you want to roll? Is it? Do you feel like there's nothing that you can't do? I, well, I probably still can't climb Mount Everest,
2: to be completely honest with you. But... <laughs> Would you but... want to though? If you could, anyway. I,
1: you know it's it's a it's a wonderful. Thing that the mountains did for me—they really—it was really a transformative experience, and absolutely changed me in just about every way that a person can be changed.
0: Well, you mentioned that you're still there. What's it like traveling throughout Japan uh, during COVID?
1: Well, you know, I didn't wasn't able to travel actually from about March until uh, the end of June. We were we weren't locked down formally, but the government was asking everyone to stay home and avoid congestion, and so I did in fact stay home. I walked in the neighborhood. I did make one brief trip to Hiroshima prefecture. In fact, on the five year anniversary of that first fateful climb, up Mount Misen or down Mount Misen, I should say, I actually was back on Mount Misen and climbed it again.
0: And, uh,
1: it was not as difficult the second time as it was the first. I'll just put that out there.
0: Well, how exciting. The book is Finding Strength on 100 Summits in Japan. It's hard to chat about a book, Phil, and not give uh, too much away. But Give it fact, all
2: away. That's yeah, right.
0: the fact that you've completed the climbs, more than 100 to 112? Uh, to date, 112, although
1: 108, I think, before the book was finished. That's a little bit of a... Of a I have a spoiler, so I'll just tantalise with this. Um, The climbs did include both the largest and the smallest official mountains in Japan. Uh And the smallest mountain is a lot smaller than you might think.
0: Beautiful. Well, as you like to end your emails with dare to dream and you can change your world. And I totally believe in that and think you've done an amazing job, Susan. Thank you so much. An incredible effort. The links to Susan and her book in show notes alongside a link to join our Facebook group. Oh, now, yes, if please you like, do. Yes. Yeah, if you like this episode, please head to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favourite pods. Leave us a rating, a review, and, of course, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And, look, it's not a competition, but, as I said, if we could get to half a million listens, by the end of 2020.
2: That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Okay, we'd we'll see if we can help you out with that next episode, which is about flying during COVID, what it looks like, and how prices will be affected in the short and long term. Bye. See the World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.